Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Turn with me to Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. You're visiting today, you're saying, what in the world is this church? (laughs) Isaiah 26. Great verse last week. We've been preaching, I've been preaching on flourishing since the beginning of the year. Last week I talked about peace. I want to continue into that just a little bit. And uh, I'm not going to get into it very far, obviously. And uh, I'm leaving town today, so I may not get back to it again. But it's, uh, I'll, I'll, we'll put it on a podcast coming up because I think it's really important, uh, some of the things that are in here. But I want to talk about in these next few minutes how to learn peace and flourish You know, you can have everything in the world and not have peace. And you can flourish in the natural and have big homes and cars and everything else and no concern about finances. But I know know a number of people through my lifetime that, that were so driven by that that they died in that drive rather than enjoying and appreciating the peace that God wants to give us. The other day I thought, you know, it just, I was just praying and it came to me that the Lord gives us a peace, I said this last week, a peace that passes understanding. And he gives us a joy that is unspeakable and a love that never fails. Like that sums up the kingdom of God. But last week I talked about it, if you didn't see it, go online and watch it. it uh, I spoke last week about how that peace is already in Christ, peace is in your future, waiting for you. It's a peace that passes understanding. It's a peace that goes ahead of you. It's a peace that is beyond, it's why somebody can pass away that you love dearly. And obviously there's nothing wrong with mourning and you're sorrowful and everything, but it's not sorrowing as regular humans sorrow. It's not grief. I talked to someone recently. They told me, they said, there's nothing after death. They said, it's just just darkness. You're gone, you're done, this is it. And uh, of course, we talked to this person about it, but when they said that, I was, I was surprised. I thought, how can you say that? Like, how this, where did all this come from? It had to originate with a, uh, an intelligence that is so far beyond us. I mean, someone the other day just called me the, told me this stat where I was one of the, the, the ex- explorers that's way out uh, beyond the solar system got beyond the solar system uh, and you know, it's checking out the universe and everything. They chart out up to 1 billion galaxies they believe that there are exactly like ours. Or solar system, that was galaxy, galaxy. 1 billion galaxies. You think, we can't even see the extent of, of the galaxy that's been given to us. I mean, the closest star, I think is Alpha Centauri, maybe not, maybe the second. It's like four light years away. You know how far that is? That's traveling at the speed of 186,000 miles a second. So that's circumnavigating the world, what, six times? Six times, something like that? Six times a second. So if you go that fast for four years, you're gonna hit the closest star. I mean, it's like, (laughs) you know, you think, well, we're just gonna die? How is that possible? Anyone who creates the universe that is still being created, it's still expanding more and more. There is something way beyond our meek, mild, little insignificant lives. Once you plug into Jesus Christ, your destiny is blown up in a big way. 
I love the ancient Celts. They prayed a prayer. I prayed it with a friend of mine this week. They prayed a prayer that said, Lord, extend or uh, give me health that I may fulfill your dream. <laughs> That's a fifth century prayer. I love it. I've been speaking it for years, ever since I got diagnosed with cancer. I dealt with the Lord. There's nothing wrong with making bargains with God. And I made a bargain with God. I said, Lord, keep me alive and keep me healthy to fulfill your dream. It's not about my dream. It's about your dream. If your dream is for me to go right now, I'm willing, I'm ready. I'm, not, I'm actually caught between the two like the apostle Paul whether to go or stay, but it's better for me right now to stay because there's things I can do here I'll never be able to do in heaven. I'll never be able to win souls in heaven. It's one of the big things you can do now on earth that you cannot do in heaven. So to have a peace that comes into your life where whatever's coming, whatever, I mentioned gut punch last week, whatever gut punch hits you, you may have that initial absorbing of that punch, but then it's like, oh, like Job who was doing pretty good till he talked to his friends. But Job, who, when he heard all the devastations that had come to his land, his property, his family, and everything else, he was left with his wife. You think, well, that's good. No, she said, curse God and die. Yeah, she did. How would you like to be, that's the only person you're stuck with, curse God and die. What he did was he fell down and began to worship God. Now, you don't do that unless your life has been programmed to do that. And most of us now have not programmed our life. So I'm gonna read you a verse that talks about programming your life and getting your life in such a way that it's, that it's almost invincible, that you are fortitude in a good way. Not that you got thick skin and you know, you got, it's not about that. It's about, it's about a heart that has been weaponized in love a heart that understands how to move and function, that it's got peace, love, peace, and joy. Love, peace, and joy marks the heart of a follower of Jesus Christ. Big hope into the future that generates them to move in faith. So we get to Isaiah 26, it says this. Look at verse three, look at verse three. You can read one and two later, it really sets up verse three, but verse three is this. You will keep him, this is speaking about God. God will keep him or her persons. He will keep you in perfect peace. You know what, literally what they, what they say in the Hebrew, this looks like, it looks like peace, peace. It's redundant. God will keep you in peace, peace. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, I need peace, peace. Yeah, it's like super peace, perfect peace. A peace that is not affected by the things around me. I'm still affected by things around me. You know, if I get, if I get uh, uh, late, you know, that's something I need to do or, or there's a demand that comes upon me, I can, you know, it's, it's part of my personality. It reacts and wants to control the scenario in order, because I, I trust, I, I do have that level of confidence that we can fix this, but there's a lot of things you can't fix. Only God can fix. So you learn pretty quick to submit your personality. I don't know if you do the Enneagram, they, they tell me that I think I'm a nine, actually. I'm a peacekeeper, right, Ashley? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, what am I, an eight? An eight, yes, I'm an eight. Don't look it up. It's not pretty. But anyway, there's various personalities. Well, those personalities, they don't, they don't, they're, not, they're not changed. They're crafted when they're submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the natural things that come out of you are not natural anymore. You're, you're putting boundaries around your life and you're saying, wait, 
I'm gonna live in peace. And so the famous prophet of the Old Testament, they call him the evangelical of the Old Testament. He is, he preaches the good news of Jesus Christ hundreds of years before Jesus even showed up, Isaiah. And he says this, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, when was the last time you used the word stayed? It's not a common word that we use. It's only used twice in the Bible, actually. Stayed is an interesting word because that word stayed speaks of a, a thing that is formed, in this case, the mind. So whose mind is, let's put it this way, whose mind is formed by you. We submit our mind to the Lord. We focus upon the Lord. I hope I get into a minute how you do that because it's really important. But I tell you this, that if you can focus your mind on the Lord and let your mind respond to the craftiness of heaven, you are gonna live a life of perfect peace. It's not impossible. Well, no, it's not. It's not any more impossible than rejoice always. It's not any more possible than pray without ceasing. It's one of those things. It's speaking in this exaggerated form saying this needs to be everything in your life. Everything in your life as a believer should stand out. Cool things like love should stand out. Boldness should stand out. Regardless of your personality, you may be very meek and mild, but there's a, bold, there's a lion inside of you. We sing about it, don't we? You gotta let that lion out, you know. You gotta roar sometimes. I called someone up last week and deep weeping, I told him, you must speak. It was a situation going on that I feel this person is the only one. I seldom do this, but I called this person up. I talked to her and I said, you must, if you're watching this, you're, it's still on you, man. You must do this. You're the one to solve this. You're the one to bring this about. But to do it, you've got to break through the barriers of what others around you might say. You can't move in fear. You've got to break and you've got to roar. And that roar may seem like something that's very disturbingly confident and powerful, but it will change it, recalibrate the situation. I'm not saying be mean, but I'm saying speak the truth in love. But I'm also saying don't be over mild. Let the very passion and fierceness of the heart of God come forth. Be a John the Baptist for a minute. If you do it, you better know it's God and it better not include any swear words. <laughs> so we'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is formed by you. I love the term stayed on you. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. It speaks deeper in the Hebrew of a steadfast disposition of guarding and leaning your framework. Man, did you hear that? A steadfast disposition of guarding and leaning your framework. It's like you're leaning into God all the time and when you do, trust comes upon you. Why? Because it says in the last part of that verse, because he trusts in you. It's speaking of us. We trust in God. When we fix our eyes upon Jesus, we trust in him. Of course, I could use the story of Peter when he got out of the boat, was walking across the water. You know, he's doing great. I mean, we, we always talk about him, him failing and falling into water. And people talk about, oh, you remember Peter, you know, he took his eyes off Jesus and fell in the water. It's like, yeah, he's probably in heaven like, oh, please, come on. Why did we write that down? People are going to think I'm such a jerk. You know, no, the big thing is he walked on water. None of the other disciples, why didn't all of them get out of the boat? Woohoo, Jesus is here. He said, come to me. 
Why didn't they all jump in? J Peter does. I saw it being filmed, you know, for Chosen when they showed that great scene of Jesus, uh, Peter walking out on water, you know. They showed how they did it with the blue screen and everything, you know, and, and uh, Peter's in a, in a boat and Jesus is out there standing on one of those big foam blue things that they sell at Costco's. You seen that? I didn't know they had Costco back in the first century, but, but they had this, you know, it's like, a, it's like an island floating and Jesus is out there like this on the island, you know? <laughs> but you can't see that. It's, it's beneath the surface of the water and they, they, you know, they Photoshop it or whatever, you know, but it looks really cool. He's out there and he's saying, come to me. You know, and then Peter is like nervously, because this really happened. This was a pool where he could be consumed and taken underneath. So he's getting out on top of this water, stepping onto this floating island. And you know, that in itself is a big step of faith. But when there's no Costco floating island, this is pretty amazing. So he gets out there and he's walking. You know, I don't, I don't know if it was like walking normal like this across the water or if, if there was that, you know, getting your sea legs, so to speak, getting your sea legs on the sea where you're walking across like Jesus. But the Bible says when he put his eyes on the wind and the waves, he began to sink. Fear comes. But I love it even in that moment, Jesus I love when the hand of Christ plunges beneath the water, grabs a hold of Peter and pulls him out, you know. You know, even when you get your eyes out of Jesus, the hand of God is there. The Lord is near to pull you out of that. So he calls us to live a life to be able to walk on water and be in peace. It's cool. Feels great. I do it in my tub all the time. So we're looking for that kind of peace, that steadfast disposition of guarding and leaning, my framework, that thing that is being formed and is learning to trust in the Lord because we trust in him, because we keep our minds stayed upon him, we get perfect peace as an amazing reward out of that. You know, every morning I reset my peace. I get, I get a lot of stuff in my life. I don't know. It's just, you know, I get, I, I, I don't want to say that because I know there's a lot of other people that have way more responsibilities and challenges and my world is really pretty small, you know, but I have my fingers in a lot of pies and, and uh, you know, those fingers and all those pies uh, are, uh, uh, can be stressful at times. So I get up in the morning and I learned this a couple years ago. The only way to, to get out of that funk that you're in is to, is to give the first time in the morning to the Lord. With me, I'm kinetic. I can only pray when I'm moving, just like preaching. <laughs> I have to walk. I have to, if, if I had it my way, I would probably walk around the whole room for the whole service preaching. That's the way I'd do it. I've done that a couple times. It didn't go out very well. But anyway, I would do that uh, because I, I'm, I'm a movement kind of person. Other people could sit in a chair or stand in the same place. I was trained in Dale Carnegie to stand right here and not move. Just keep my hands delicately on the pulpit and, and believe that God's going to communicate some kind of message through that. I broke out of that in the first five years of preaching and have never stopped, you know? So I'm a kinetic person. I get up in the morning, I have to move. So I go for walks. I walk for 40, 45 minutes. Number one, it's healthy. But number two, it takes me out in nature where I can behold the beauty of the Lord Amen. and his creation. And when you get out in nature, as it says in Romans 1, his divine attributes are communicated to us from nature. And so I get downloads all the time. The Lord sends me unique birds. He sends me deer to stand right there in my path, eating and just watching me. Foxes, 
coyotes periodically. You know, all kinds of weird things are on this property. So <laughs> I come up here because I don't live very far away. I walk around this property. I pray over this property. And what I am doing is not just exercising, not just, not just praying, not making my request known to God, but I do that. What it is is a resetting of my soul. It's me settling down in the current situation because of national things that are going on, because of local things that are going on, because of my family, whatever might be going on in my family. And, you know, families are like mutual funds. Uh, they, there's always one up and one down. So you're, you know, with four kids, you're, you're always manage, helping manage somebody or help bless somebody or whatever, even as they get to be adults. My oldest one is 41. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it just doesn't end. You have children, they're gonna be your children your whole life. And they probably stress about you too. So you, you, get, you get peace. I get up in the morning, my, I wrestle my mind, I speak to my mind to pull it into a place of peace. Now, this is what I'm gonna conclude with. This is my first point. One of the most important things is to know your identity in Christ. Yes. To get peace, you've got to understand who you are in Jesus. You kinda know who you are outside of Christ, Got this microphone's dancing on my ear. Hold on a second. All right. You know who you are outside of Christ. You learned yourself well over 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it was before you came to Jesus Christ. But now you were adopted as a son and daughter of God. Your life is now different. I don't know what we think Christianity is. Well, yeah, I said a little prayer and I went up front and they gave me a little book. And I mean, that's, that's a process that when it's done in faith works. But actually... Throughout the Bible, they didn't say little prayers. They didn't get a, a book of John. It wasn't written yet. They, they yielded their lives to Christ. They stopped following the ways that they were before and they started following Jesus and his ways because he said, come to me, follow me, learn of me. And so they learn of him, they, they become what's called a disciple. And you become a disciple, you, you, have the, you have an inheritance that's in a bank somewhere that is worth billions of dollars. You imagine how different that would change your life if you knew that for sure. And in the kingdom of God, you've got everything you ever will need for who you are and where you're going. Your destiny and your identity and even your legacy is all tied up in Jesus Christ. And when you follow Jesus... Doors open up for you, doors close too. And some doors that close, you need, to, you need the command to open. Open sesame in Jesus' name. Other doors close to protect you. You need to turn around and go the other way. And in Christ, you learn how to understand these. I, I mean, I remember, this is probably, peace is probably my biggest challenge in life growing up. My father was very dysfunctional. He was, you know, I love him. I, I speak very highly of him. He was, a, he was a dream dad for me in my world. My brothers and sisters disagree with me. You know, they think I'm, I'm I don't know, they, they think I'm from another family actually, but, but that's another topic for another time. Uh, but my dad, he was, you know, I, I tend to look at the best in people overall, but he was wound up, he was stressed. He was on drugs and alcohol and he eventually came to the Lord. But by the time it happened, I was 19 years old. So I'd already been shaped by, a, by a, uh, an alcoholic uh, drug culture uh, early in life. Of course, my wife, my, my mom was an incredible intercessor and, and kept the Holy Spirit in our house, you know. But I read a book when I was 19 years old by Kenneth Copeland. It was called The Force of Righteousness. Uh, we may have a few copies out there in a the bookstore, I don't know. 
but it changed my life. I'd been a Christian since I was eight, so that's 11 years at that time. But it changed my life. It, it, it delivered me of a sin consciousness, which is spoken of in Hebrews and, and uh, Romans. That the sin consciousness is where you're always seeing your fault, you're always seeing where you miss, you're always in this moment of, oh, me, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, you know, and you confess all these things to back it up. And many Christians actually live their whole lives in a sin consciousness, even though they've been called to something supernatural. So they live like this their whole lives. I mean, they're just like, oh, woe in me. You know, I, I don't have a problem saying that we're, we're sinners. Uh, people get really religious about this sometimes. I mean, we're sinners, but we've been saved by grace. But I don't call myself a sinner anymore. I'm a saint. Periodically, I just remind myself that I was a sinner and now I'm saved by the grace of God through faith. And I'm a saint. I mean, turn to the person next to you if you know their name and just address them as that. Saint Stephen, Saint Ashley, Saint whoever, just, just say. Now, it's always an awkward moment. Because it's like, no, 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 saints are, are like, they do amazing things. They gotta have at least one big major miracle in their life, at least the Catholic Church says that to be a saint, you know. You have to have several people attest to it and everything. There's, there's rules to being a saint. Oh, got some flashing going on up here. There's rules to being a saint. But no, 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 in Christ, you instantly were converted out of darkness into light. And now your identity is in Christ and God delivered you out of a sin consciousness. Guess what he gave you? He gave you righteousness. It says this in Ephesians, it says, I'm almost done. And you put off, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt. Well, you want to be a believer in Jesus Christ and stay in corruption? According to the deceitful lusts. I mean, some people now are repackaging their sins and making them valid in the kingdom of God. They are, big time. Well, I live with this woman because, you know, it, it uh, saves us rent. You know, it's kind of stupid. The Lord doesn't, doesn't want me to be mismanaging my money. I said, yeah, I'm sure that's what it's all about. I'm not, I'm not thinking about anyone here, so don't say, hey, they, what, what, did you tell him something? You know, it's a, we, we repackage it and bring it to the kid. I tell you, it's why the American church is so dull right now. But there's a fire brewing in the American church right now. Across this nation, the lion is about to roar. I really feel that. Oh, so much for God. I'm sorry we ran over here. But verse 23 says this, and be renewed. So you put off the old. Oh, I got, we got religious people saying, so I don't have to do any of that anymore. I don't even talk about sin. I don't even mention it. It's part of the past. Been thrown in the sea of forgiveness. I get all of that. I understand all that. But you're living in a world where you're contending with things in your life that are not righteous. Your body has not got the news that you're born again. Your mind has not got the news that you are born again. And guess what? It's up to you, the Bible says, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What? Wait a minute. Salvation is free. It is. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. Explore that gift. Use the power of that gift through the Holy Spirit to change your life. <laughs> yeah. It's like the meme I saw recently, be the person that your dog thinks you are. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> 
that you're a saint. So you put that off. Now, what do you do after you put that off? You're renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put off, the, put on the new man now, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So you're putting off the old man, the corruption of it. You're trying on this new man and you're gonna walk in being a new man that is a righteous person, a righteous woman before God. You can only do that by the power of the Spirit. That is what salvation is about. And that's why there's gonna be millions of people that do not get into heaven. The Bible says this. Because they prayed a little prayer up front and got a little book. It's about changing your life. Repentance is moving in a different direction. And when you change your life, it is observable by everyone around you. You're not just a little glossed over better makeup of a sinner. And some people are gonna hear the Lord say someday, it's getting rough, I need to warm the car up right now, actually. <laughs> I'll do my remote start here. Some, some people are going to hear when they stand before the Lord, I never knew you. Oh, no, no, I was on the prophetic team. I never knew you. This is all biblical. I, I, Lord, I, I prayed for people and we saw some healings. I never knew you. I gave to the poor. I mean, every time they had even a mission offering, I gave money and I never knew you. I mean, read Luke 6, it's stunning. Read Matthew 7, it's stunning. It'll change your life. We have got to awaken ourselves. All I can do is preach and hope that something will stick in our hearts because I'm in the process right now. The Lord has not given up on me. He continually to, to bring things up in my mind and attitudes and thoughts and everything else. And he's saying, you know what? Other people can do that. You can't. What? Yeah, you don't understand, but you're uniquely created that if you went down that road that they're going down, even though they're believers, that you would fail and you would fall. And so I'm telling you, I'm restricting you out of that like a Samuel of old. Do not touch this, do not touch that. You say, well, I'm not religious, I'm free from all that. We're not talking about being religious. We're talking about being disciples of Jesus Christ. And I'd advise you to follow Christ, to learn of him, and not base your Christianity on what other people are doing, but upon what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus says. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing, I mean, I'm, I don't know how great I'm doing at it, but anyway. So here, here let's all stand up so you know I'm done, okay. <laughs> I brought a weapon with me. Let us therefore come boldly to the, these are four things said in scripture. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Watch out, Jay, I might hit you. Yes. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, since you have a promise remaining of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of us seem to have come short of it. Last one. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Here's what Romans says. Therefore, having been justified by faith. We know justification is just as if you never sin. Justify. Just as if you never sin. We have been justified. That is absolute aorist tense, which means it's past and it's completed. You've been justified by faith and we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we have peace? because we know who we are. We know that it wasn't our effort, it was the blood of Jesus Christ that brought us into this place we're in now. I've struggled with this my whole life, identity. I think it was from my father, but I don't know who to blame. So 10 years ago, I wrote a creed. <laughs> I brought it with me, I pulled one off the shelf. 
I think we got some of these out at the bookstore. I'm hearing music. Yeah, look at this. This is like a... Yes. Hear ye? Hear ye. It doesn't say that. It's an identity creed. So I told people, buy them and hang them up in your, your teenager's closet. Run in front of the fridge. We made magnets out of it, smaller than this. Put on your fridge. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe that his sacrifice has brought me abundant life. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Therefore, according to his word, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes. Did you know that was in scripture? Yes. You don't have righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We need to confess that a little bit. I am above and not beneath, the head and not the tail. Through the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace, I will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. I am born again. I'm a follower of Christ, an ambassador of reconciliation. Sin and death will not reign over me. I have the mind of Christ. I have the peace that passes understanding. I am called to fill, subdue, and rule through the love of Jesus. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am filled with love, joy, and peace and will mark my path and the fragrance of Christ will follow my sacrificial life. Jesus is my sustaining bread, my life, my fortress. Well, I'm feeling the presence of God on this. Jesus is my sustaining bread, my life, my fortress, my shepherd, my eternal father. I can do all things through Christ. I am his workmanship. I am more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer by his blood. I am in a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, holy and purchased by him. I am forgiven, transformed, rooted, built up and established in my faith. I will prosper and be in good health even as my soul prospers. I am greatly loved by God and submit to him with gratitude. I thank him daily for his kindness that he leads me into change. And then I put a Celtic prayer at the end. Lord, you are my God. You search me out like a lost lamb. I am your sheep. I hear your voice. To you is the glory and honor and praise. My breath is yours. My life is a testimony that you indeed are a good God. I will sing of your goodness all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And then just for good measure, I put 70 little phrases all around it, all based on scripture that can encourage somebody. Why did I do it? Because 10 years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, that the biggest ministry in this next gener emerging generation will be deliverance. I said, deliverance? He said, yeah, it's all gonna be about identity. People don't know who they are. Little did I know that very quickly we'd be in the heat of all this misunderstanding of who we are. So let's just take a moment and pray. Janet, come up here. But Janet's just gonna share real quickly something uh, that's going on in our culture that we need to address. Um, but right now, just take a minute and pray. Lord, I pray that as we discover who we are in Christ, that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, we, we, we stay, we put our minds stayed on you. We focus on you, Lord Jesus. You are the guide. And we bless this moment. Anyone here does not know Jesus Christ, praying a prayer is not a bad thing as long as it's faith. You pray in faith and say, Lord, I'm done with being me. That's all you have to do. I'm done with being me. I'm trusting you with my life. 
You died for me. I love you, Jesus. I want to learn of you. Something simple like that. And according to the word of God, you, you become a follower of Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit's inside and starts cleaning house. He's done it with all of us, still does it with all of us. I get weekly cleaning. It's costly. It's paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we bless you in that. Janet, tell us real quick about this, this vote that's coming up in August. Sure. Um, there you go. So I worked, as you know, to, to pass a lot of the pro-life laws that are on the books. Things like parental consent, our nation's first ban on partial birth abortion, uh, and our heartbeat law. But if we don't vote yes on August 8th, then there is an effort right now to remove every, to basically wipe out every pro-life law that we have passed in the last 50 years. The, the message is, now is the time to put your faith to action because I don't believe there's ever been a more critical state election in the state of Ohio in our history. And so what the yes vote on, on uh, by August 8th, early voting has already begun. If we vote yes by August 8th, what we'll do is we'll shield our Constitution from being corrupted with the effort in November to make it abortion until birth, just like they did in Michigan, just like they did in Kansas, to try and turn Ohio into New York or California with not only abortion till birth, but transgender basically saying that children, minor children, can have operations to mutilate their bodies without mom and dad ever being notified. It is the most dangerous thing that this, this state has ever seen. And so we've got, some, we've got a table in the back. We've got a few signs. If you live on a busy street, take one if you live on a busy street. But we've got some handouts to get the vote out. There's a lot of confusion. And all you have to do, as I talked with Cindy oh, this yes. morning, is say, where does Planned Parenthood, where do the abortion industry stand? They want you to vote no. We need to vote yes for life. Yes to protect our Constitution. And yes to keep our pro-life laws. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate Janet and all she's done. So we encourage you to vote. Also, those of you who want it, uh, you know, we, we never get involved in politics. This to me is not politics. It's society, it's culture that we need to uh, stand in the gap by praying and by doing what God's given us, a great vote that we can give in the United States of America. Ohio's facing it right now. It's our time to step up. There's actually signs out there that will help people send them to a, you know, a website where they can get more information. But it's all vote yes. If you want one of those, take it free of charge. Of course, stick it in your lawn. Let your neighbors know you're voting yes. It might influence a lot of people. Let's pray for that before we dismiss. Lord, we pray for this issue that's coming up on August 8th, Lord. You know this, Lord. We, we declare, Lord, we want, we know things go, don't go our way all the time. But Lord, we declare something of righteousness. We want, we want this, this state to have a right choice and to move in proper directions that are in alignment Lord, with what you've called us to do individually. And so we bless it, Lord. We bless it, Lord, and ask, Lord, for the government that you would protect Ohio. And may Ohio stand out as almost like a, 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 a Goshen, you know, a, a bright and shining light in the midst of darkness, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for everyone in this room and just bless them with a glorious day with you and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.